Heavenly Father, we, we want to take what that song just said to us, and, and we pray even right now, Lord, as we get settled and, and we're beginning to um, hopefully have already started focusing our mind on the, on, the, on the things that you might say to us and getting ourselves prepared to receive your word. But Lord, we need to take the song that BJ just led us in and, and, and put that into an actual prayer as well as we sang it that way that you would open the eyes of our heart. As we look into your word tonight, and we see, we see black and white letters and page, but God, I pray we would see much more than that. And if we are to see more than what is just written in a, in a piece of paper, Father, you must open our eyes tonight. You must open our hearts so that we may see the truths of, of this text and of, of what you have written there for us. And Lord, it is more than a story about a man who was cleansed of leprosy. It's more than a story of two nations divided by belief and unbelief and wars and different things. And even now, even now, those two nations are, are fighting and are in battle and, and are enemies one to another. And Lord, I just pray as we look at this story about Naaman and his being healed of leprosy. Oh God, that we can see much more and even in greater things than just the story itself. And Lord, in, in, in a way, we all live this life of Naaman and that little girl. God, I pray, I pray that, that, that we would be more like that little child. And I pray that you would use this tonight in all of our lives. I ask you, Father, to really meet with us. Father, we have seven more days until we meet again. Unless we come on Wednesday night. But Lord, most of us will have seven more days before we are here again. Before we're under God's word. Before we're in the midst of a solid Christian fellowship. Before we can be around people that can bear us up in times of hurt and, and pain and all that stuff. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that we would allow you to use this time in a great way in our life. Lord, help me to preach. Lord, help me to say only what you once said. Help me to be out of the way so that you can speak to us this, this evening. God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, take your Bibles and go to the book of Two kings. Anybody ever heard of the book of Kings in your Bible? Okay, amen. Help me now. Couple of hands. Anybody ever read anything out of the book of Kings, either one or two? Okay, about a third. Okay, tonight we're going to read a story out of Two Kings, chapter 5. And it might be a story that you've heard about before, but... I had been preparing a message out of Romans as we've been studying the book of Romans on Sunday night. And, and I have quite enjoyed being in the Sermon on the Mount on Sunday mornings, being in the book of Romans Sunday night, because it, it, it's easy to preach that way because there's a flow there when you're staying in that text. But a few days ago, uh, actually yesterday, I'm reading in my devotions and Actually, I wasn't. I wasn't reading in my devotions. 
I'm just thinking about some stuff and, and I guess a little praying and a little pondering and the Lord brought to my mind the story of Naaman out of two kings. So yesterday I went and I began to read through the story again. Tonight, all I want to do is give you an overview of the story and a few thoughts, honestly, just a few thoughts about how the Lord kind of spoke to me about this story. Do you ever feel like your life is insignificant? Yeah. I heard some amens and I saw some nods of heads. Do you ever feel, or do you ever see yourself, not just your life as a whole, but you, have you ever viewed yourself as being insignificant in this scheme of life and in the world? You know, what, what real important part in this world can I actually serve? You know, I'm not famous and I am not rich and I am not powerful and I could probably, you ever feel like you could probably leave this world and not a soul would probably think twice about you? I think this story might help us in, the, in these thoughts because I'll just tell you right now, in Christ, Nobody is in, insignificant. Nobody. And that's not just for preaching. And that's just not to talk to you about a story tonight. But it is a truth, an absolute truth, that in Christ, nobody is insignificant. And I want to encourage you tonight that, that it is not great people who, who do great things. It is simple people with faith in God where God can use that to do great things. Okay? There's a big difference. I want to read tonight 19 verses out of chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, starting there in verse 1. We'll read the story. I will recap the story in my own words. Then I will give you a few thoughts about it now Naaman captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria he was also a mighty man in valor but he was a leper and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid now kids if you're the under, under the age of what? 18? Okay, to me, you're a kid. I don't care what the government says. To me, you're a kid. I'm getting to the point where if you're the under the age of 30, you might be a kid as well. I'm not sure. But, but you know, children, listen to me tonight. Listen to what I say. I'm going to tell you a story about one of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament, it only happened one time. This miracle only happened one time. And do you know what? The miracle came about because of the faith of a young girl. You kids sometimes look and say, well, the, the, the Christian life is to be lived by adults. Or, you know, what can I as a kid do in faith? I'm just a kid. What can I do? You listen to this story tonight and you'll see what you can do. 
This is a great story for people to think, you know, about if you think your life is insignificant and you're in a place where you can't really have an effect in this world or if you're a child. So I think that covers just about everybody in this, in this room tonight. So listen to me. Do not play. Do not talk. Just listen. I'll be finished eventually. There will come an end to this, but listen to me. He was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and he had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, a young girl. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were, the, were, were God, my Lord, were... Eventually I'll figure it out. Just give me a moment. Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter has come unto you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to thee, that you mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes, and he said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive? This man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothes? Let him come to me now, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to you, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was angry, and he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out of his house to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, Father, if the prophet had said to you, had, had bid thee to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much rather then, when he says to you, wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came, and he stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray, take a blessing of thy servant. But Elisha, uh, but Elisha said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two, two, two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering or sacrifice unto any other gods, but unto the Lord. 
And this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, I bow myself in the house of Rimon. When I bow down myself in the house, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, the prophet said unto him, go in peace. And so he departed from him a little way. Man, this is a great story. This is a story of, of faith and unbelief and pride and broken spirit and repentance and coming to faith and changed lives. This is a story that is fantastic in the word of God. See, th th there's a few key players. Number one was a fellow by the name of Naaman. Naaman was the head general of the Syrian army. Now, if you go to Israel in a little over a year with us, we will go up toward the tribe of Dan, and that's the very north part of Israel, and we will go to a kibbutz. Now, kibbutz is like a communal place where back um, uh, in the 40s and all, the, the, the Jewish people were, were descending back into Israel. And, and because of the, the enemies in different places, and there was no cities and stuff really, there was no protection for them, what they did is they went and they formed these communal living areas and they called, are called kibbutz. Now, a lot of the kibbutzes are no more. And then the ones that do exist are actually like hotels and, and places where you can um, uh, go and stay. And when we go to the Sea of Galilee, we will actually stay in a kibbutz on the Sea of Galilee for three days. So you'll see kind of how, and they're very nice, and you'll see how the living is there. But when we go to Israel, we'll go to a kibbutz on a, on, a, uh, on a mountaintop, um, uh, Elva Ravim or something it's called, and we will overlook into a, a, a massive open area. That is Syria. You will look right into Syria. You will see, the, the, and probably see Jeeps as well, you'll see the United Nations Jeeps that are, that are driving the, the line between Syria in Israel, you will stand right on the very edge. This, this general Naaman was the, the general for Syria. And, and he was a great general, and, but he had one major problem. He had leprosy. Okay? Now, leprosy was the scourge of the ancient, ancient world because there was no cure for it. Nothing evoked more fear, more dread, more revulsion than the sight of these walking dead. And that is exactly what a leper was called, a walking dead. Now, I didn't write the rest in my notes, but part of being the walking dead is, I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of, the, of smelling a, a decaying body, whether it be a person or an animal. Anybody? You ever smell a dead, decaying animal? It's pretty awful, isn't it? Okay, uh, you ever seen that movie, um, Facing the Giants? Christian movie, Facing the Giants? The, the coach's house, he came in one evening, he goes, oh, what is that? Oh, what is that odor? And the wife was like, oh, I don't know, I've been, uh, it's, you'll get used to it in a couple of hours. Well, later on in the movie, the coach is on his hands and knees and he's poking down into a vent and he pulled up a rat or a mouse or something and it was a dead, decaying mouse. And he's like, oh, that little fella has such a big stench. 
Well, this is what was going on. See, with these leprous people, their body was just rotting off, basically, right? Well, it wasn't just some clean fall off. It was a decaying death, and it smelled, and, and it was awful, and, and people were disgusted by it. And in the nation of Israel, if you had leprosy, you were put outside the community. When you walked down the, the road or something, you would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people would part and get away from you. It was an awful thing. Now, in Scripture, leprosy is a vivid and a very graphic uh, picture of the spiritual defilement of sin. Sin, as leprosy, is ugly, loathsome, incurable, and contaminating. It separates men from God and makes them outcasts, right? A good description of sin and, and the outcomes of it, and that's what leprosy is. And that's what Naaman had. In a good way, it was good that he did not live in Israel because he would not be a general. He would be nothing. He would be a, 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 a pauper. He would be poor, homeless, penniless, jobless, probably familyless, and he would be an outcast. But in Syria, they didn't treat the lepers like they did in Israel. Now, that's Naaman. There was a little girl. Now, this little girl was a Jewish captive brought back from one of Naaman's raids into Israel. See, Israel was still a nation at this time. Israel still had a king. I think it was King Jehoram. He was an ungodly man, but he, they still had a king. Syria would send raids into Israel every now and again and take bits and pieces and, and people and things. This little girl, just a young girl, probably younger than Emily, 14, 15 years old maybe, I'm not sure, but one of Naaman's raids went into Israel and took her. This little girl basically was the servant girl to Naaman's wife. What was she? She was a slave. Okay, she was a slave. She was a nobody. She didn't have a voice in the world. She was a servant girl. But this servant girl had a faith. Even though she was young, and even though she'd been taken from her native Israel, and she was away from any teaching, away from any church, away from any synagogue, away from anything, she still had kept her faith in the living God. And in verse 3, she made a statement that really is profound. She said to her mistress that she served, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. She said, Man, I wish that my, my master Naaman would be with Elisha the prophet. Um, Elisha the prophet. In Israel, because if he had been, he'd be healed. That's an amazing statement of faith, and I'll, and I'll say more about it in a moment. So when Naaman heard this, he said, okay. And he sent some servants to the king to tell the king, hey, look, if I go to Israel and meet this prophet, he can heal me of my leprosy. So the king who, who, who cared for Naaman very much, said, okay. And he wrote letters to the king of Israel asking the king of Israel 
to heal Naaman the general. Now, Jehoram was the king in Israel, and he was an ungodly man, very opposite of this little girl. This little girl had no reason to keep faith in God. Do you understand that? She lost everything, lost her family, lost her nation, lost her name. Look through the scriptures. You know what she's called? She's called the young maid. She lost everything except the most important thing in her life, and that was her faith in God. And here this great king of Israel who lived in in, in splendor and had everything that he wanted except the most important thing that he needed was faith in God. When the king of Assyria wrote to the king of Israel, said, heal my servant, and Naaman standing there with this death about him, the king of Israel got upset. He said, "Am am I God? Do I have the power to kill and bring back alive that this man... Uh, sends his servant to me to heal him of his leprosy. And when, when, when he said that, the king tore his clothes because he was in anguish, because he was in distress. And in Israel, you would tell your, tear your clothes when you had a, a, a distress and pain in your life. And you, that was the sign of, hey, I'm mourning. Hey, I'm upset. Hey, I'm in distress. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened and I can't do anything about it. Isn't it funny how the, the king of Israel didn't even once think about calling on Elisha? Elisha just lived around the corner. Elisha was in the city. Elisha was close by. But because Jehoram would not humble himself to the teachings of, of Elisha and to God, He never once thought about going to Elisha and getting the answer. He said, great, this king of Syria has sent this guy for me to heal, who I can't do it. He's only doing that to to have war with me. Isn't that funny? We do the same thing. When we're presented with a burden and a problem, we look to ourselves to try to find the answer. When what we need to do is be like the little girl who's in Syria who runs to her faith for the answers to her problem. Do you understand? This is where we live, guys. We concentrate on the problem. That's what Jehoram did. He concentrated on the problem. He didn't look to the one who could fix the problem. So he's in agony and he's torn his clothes. Well, somehow... The, the, the word of that got to Elisha the prophet. And when Elisha heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to Jehoram and said, send me the general. Naaman got his entourage together and he said, that's what I wanted. See, you got to understand something. The king of Syria and Naaman never expected the king of Israel to heal him of his leprosy. Do you remember what the little girl said? If you'll go see the prophet, the prophet of God, the prophet who who walks with God, the prophet who teaches the truth of God, if he will go see the prophet, he will be healed of his leprosy. The king never was a part of this. He just wanted to know where the prophet was. So the prophet said, send me the general, and the general came. And Naaman went to see Elisha. 
and he had his horses, and he has his servants, and he had all the money and all the things that he was carrying, and he went to the house of Elisha, and he stood at Elisha's door, and he announced himself, he said, the general is here. Naaman expected Elisha to come out and wave his arms and strike over the leprosy on his body and heal him in a magnificent way. You know why? Because Naaman was a proud man. But what instead happened is this. Elisha sent someone out to, to Naaman and said, and catch a hold, because this is important. You know, when you read the Bible, sometimes we skim over some very powerful thoughts. Elisha said to the, to the servant to tell Naaman, go and dip in the Jordan River seven times. And you know what? Naaman was right to be mad in a way. The Jordan River, honey, is not a pretty river, is it? It is muddy and it is dirty. And, and we got there in the, the southern part of Israel. It's hot. And I'm like, oh, wow, it'd be cool to walk in the, into that Jordan. I didn't get in that thing, man. It's funky. It's dirty. And this is exactly what Naaman said. He said, man, aren't these other two rivers I think Abominamon in Farpar or something. I didn't write that in my notes. So you look in your Bible. You'll find the name. Aren't Man, those are some rivers in Syria. Man, they're fresh and they're clean. And why can't I just go into those rivers and dip myself? And you know what? That's what the world wants to do. They hear the truth of, of God's way. And this is God's way was what Elisha was saying. And they hear the truth of God's way. And what do they want? They want to do it a different way. Man always thinks they have the road to salvation in a better way than God's plan. Amen? We always think that, but it's not true. And Naaman became furious. And he, and, and he said, I thought he'd come out to me and be impressed with who I am and do some wonderful miracle to heal me. I could go wash in the rivers, of, uh, in better rivers in Syria than the one here in Jordan. And therefore, Naaman walked away in pride. But thankfully, for Naaman's sake, he had some sensible, compassionate servants in his midst. And they spoke to Naaman like a father, and they said, Father, why don't you humble yourself? Why don't you humble yourself and listen to the prophet? What do you have to lose? And when those servants spoke to Naaman like that, Naaman went down and he took a bath in the River Jordan. He dipped himself seven times. When he come up the seventh time out of that water, he was healed. The Bible says that his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. I think 90% of the church this morning held Judy in their arms. Amen? If you held Judy today, raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of people are going, even Bong held Judy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I held Judy. Man, she's adorable, isn't she? I remember when uh, um, Renee and Imi had to leave because uh, um, they didn't have a car today. They, um, uh, and they had to take the tube and train back to um, Cranbrook, Kent, whatever. And there's, there's works on the National Rail today. He said it will probably take us four hours to get home. He said if we leave now, we should be home by 7. And that was at 2 o'clock. 
So I said, you need to go. I don't want them getting home with them babies at 11 o'clock at night. You go. I remember when Imi was born. How soft, um, not Imi, I wasn't there. <laughs> Abby. <laughs> I remember when Imi had Abby. Don't y'all remember? And, and Abby came and she was soft and she had that baby smell and the skin was so pliable. Do you remember that? Amen? Dude, don't you know that's what God did to Naaman? God restored his skin to like it was the skin of a child. Healthy and beautiful and plush. When God does stuff, he does it well, doesn't he? Amen? Bear with me because there's a point in why I'm re-saying all this stuff. But the thing is, you think, well, he dipped himself seven times in the river Jordan. The cure did not lie in the water of Jordan. But the cure lied in the obedient faith in God's promise through his prophet. Amen? (laughs) Our cure doesn't lie in the prayer we pray or the knowledge that we have, but it lies in the obedient faith of God's promise that Jesus Christ saves. And, And our humbling of our heart to receive that. God had prescribed that name and wash seven times. Seven times. That's a, that's a special number, seven. It's the number of what? Say it. Completion. It is a number that we relate with God. It's a number to indicate that the healing was completely a work of God. For seven is the stamp of the works of God. It is the approval mark of the works of God. Therefore, as he obeyed in faith, he was cleansed. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a child. But something even greater happened to Naaman. Naaman made an acknowledgement that the God of Israel was the only true God and that he would worship that God. Now, in the Bible, do you remember when we read the story that when Elisha would not take the money from Naaman, what did Naaman request from Elisha? Some dirt. I think he said, can I have like two wheelbarrowfuls of dirt? Does anybody know why he requested the dirt? Because he was going to go back to Syria. He was going to build himself an altar where he could worship God. And he wanted to take some of Israel back with him. And you know what? We can debate all day long about what kind of believer Naaman was it doesn't really matter what we know is that he was a believer not only was his skin healed of the leprosy but his heart was healed of his sin as well I want to give you my thoughts the star of this story is not Naaman it is not Naaman and the star of this story is not Elisha The star of this story is an unnamed slave girl that was taken from her home who had no reason because of the plight of her life. She had no reason to maintain faith in the God of Israel. She had no reason to maintain faith in the message of Elijah. She had no reason, but she still did. 
how pathetic we can be sometimes when we allow the, 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 the fleeting things of this world to rock our faith in God just because of some situations in life. Amen? Amen? We all do it, don't we? I do. The star was not Elisha nor Naaman. It was that little girl. She knew that the power that Elisha had was from God. She believed in healing apart from any proof or signs from a previous healing. Oh, I wish I could explain this better. No leper had ever been healed. None. No leper had ever been healed, but she said, hey, hey, if my master would go and be with the prophet of Israel, his leprosy would be healed. She had faith that if he would have faith in God, he would be healed. Isn't that awesome? She, she does, hey, we can easily believe sometimes because we look at other people and say, well, if they can believe, I can do that too. Or if they can walk that walk, I can walk that too. But that little girl, as a slave child, had no proof outside of the fact that she believed in the power of God and what faith would do. And she said, He'll go be healed if he, goes, if he goes to see the prophet. Why? Because the prophet will tell him the message of God. That's why he was healed. No leper in Israel was ever healed except for Naaman the general. He was not an Israelite. He was a heathen. He was a Syrian general he killed Israelites. Luke 4.27 says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet, but none of them were cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. We need to have faith more like that little child. Let me give you a few thoughts. And honestly, I mean a few thoughts, and I won't expound them very much, but I want you to hear what they are. We think sometime our life is insignificant in the cause of Christ because it's not well known. We're not in a place of, of power or authority. We're unknown. We're just some little speck in, in, in this universe. And we think that because of that, we, our life is insignificant. If that little girl thought her life was insignificant and therefore would have never shown forth the faith that she had in God, Naaman would have never been healed and Naaman would have never believed in God and this story would never be in the Word of God. Some person who really had no significance in this world except her faith changed the course of eternity for an individual. So I want to share with you tonight you and I can do the same thing, but we need to understand something. No matter your circumstances, you hold on to faith. No matter your circumstances, you hold on to faith. Because your circumstances will constantly change. But your faith in God, if it's put into the Word of God and held on to by the Spirit of God, that will not change. Satan cannot take your faith away. The world cannot take your faith away. Nothing can take your faith away. 
They can put you in chains. They can put you in shackles. They can say to you, you cannot proclaim your faith. But nobody can take away what is in your heart about God. Amen? They just can't. So you hold on to your faith in God no matter your circumstances. Number two, you hold on to your faith in God and no matter your age and no matter your condition. Hey, the world says that if uh, you're 16 years old, you can go into a hotel restaurant and, get, and drink alcohol, you know? But the world says, man, you can't go up to children <coughs> and tell them that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. They're upside down and they're backwards. I want to tell you, you kids, something. That the greatest thing... Well, Bong, I have something for you to fix now. I'll show it to you later. I want to tell you kids something. The greatest thing you can do is to first believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. The second thing you can do is keep on trusting that Savior for your entire life. Amen? For your entire life. If that little girl can change the course of eternity for a person, so can you if you'll stay and live by faith. No matter your age, young or old, no matter your condition, rich or poor, or anything else, you just hold on to your faith in God. Number three, you hold on to your faith in God no matter the amount of unbelief that is around you. No matter the amount of unbelief that is around you, no matter the amount of ridicule that you undergo, you hold your faith in God. Bettina's fixing to go back to France. I said, Bettina's, that, that's, that's Southern American <laughs> fixing. You're getting ready to go back home to France. She said, what? Arden? Fixing? What's that? You know what? There will, there's not going to be a welcome committee other than your mom and family to welcome you home, and hey, Bettina, the Christian's here. Most likely, when you go to places and they find out your faith, they're going to say, wow, you're a weird, a weird young lady. Sorry? She knows that already. You've experienced that already. No matter the unbelief around you, Bettina, you hold your faith in God. No matter how insignificant your place seems, you hold your faith in God. God has a purpose for putting you where he has. God has a purpose for calling you into what he's called you. God has a purpose and has had a purpose for you doing what you're doing. You just keep doing what you're doing. You'd be like that little, little slave girl that all she had was her God and nothing more. That's all I have to say. Amen? Now, here's what I'd like to do. Like for Bettina to come up.